This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're airing part two of our interview with Bob Hustis on rock art of the Southwest. Bob is a member of the Colorado Archaeological Society, focused on rock art, and also a field guide and a member of the Utah Association of Rock Art Research and Archaeology. Bob, welcome back to the program. Well, thanks, Gary. I enjoyed our talk last time, and it just uh, the time ran way too fast. Since it's been a couple weeks since we've talked, get us on the same page again with terms associated with rock art, such things as pictographs and petroglyphs and what the difference is, what they mean. Sure. And, uh, you know, these descriptions of pictographs and petroglyphs are commonly uh, confused by many of us, including myself, uh, when I first got involved in this process. And they are not unique to uh, our region. I mean, they occur all over the world. Petroglyphs generally are an image that are carved into a rock. And this carving can produce a visible identification in the rock, or it can simply be a scratching away of a weathered surface, such as a patina. A pictograph is a drawing or a painting that's created on the rock. Because they are merely a surface coating, pictographs tend to be less durable than petroglyphs. The ones that survive are most often found in caves, rock shelters, and areas with dry climates. And the ancient people used a variety of pigments that have been used to make these pictographs. Examples of these pigments have included pieces of charcoal from campfires, blood from hunted or sacrificed animals, and rock or mineral materials such as chalk, limonite, or hematite. Let me remind folks that last time we talked a bit about uh, dating rock art, and Bob, you said that it's a tough thing. It's not an exact science. Carbon dating doesn't work, but there are ways to zero in on who might have done it or what their approximate age was. Most of the things you're looking at in the Southwest, uh, remind us, what's the age on that at best guess? Well, you know, dating is relative rather than absolute. Since rock presently cannot be carbon dated, archaeologists use information like nearby dwellings, the remains of moccasins or pottery styles, and tools such as the atlatl and the bow and arrow to uh, determine relative dating. Let me ask a little bit about uh, where to go see things. There are quite a few well-known sites like Petroglyph National Monument in New Mexico, Quail Rock in Utah, Huerfano Butte in Arizona. What are the gold medal sites available to the general public in the Southwest? You know, as Coloradans, we don't have to travel out of state. There's significant rock art in the southeast of Colorado out on the Pawnee and Comanche National Grasslands. And you can check with the local BLM offices or National Forest Services, and they'll direct you to areas where you can actually go to places. Just like right outside of La Junta, there's a place called Picture Canyon. And it's open to the public, and it's a wonderful place to stretch your legs, get out, get some fresh air in the wintertime, because it's generally a little bit warmer down there. And if you're in that area outside of La Junta, while you're looking at the rock art, uh, make sure you see the dinosaur footprints that are there also. There's thousands of sites, and many of these sites are on private property. You're part of groups that likely get access to that, opening up a whole new world, I suspect. Yes, uh, that's one of the advantages to uh, belonging to these organizations. If you can be fortunate enough to uh, sign up for some of the field trips, we've had opportunities to visit ranches in um, 
the uh, Texas Pecos region, as well as many areas in Utah and Colorado. Tell us a bit more about these organizations that you're part of. What is their mission? If people were interested in joining, how, how might that happen, etc.? The main mission is education, and, and education on uh, several levels. Unfortunately, due to climate change, as well as, unfortunately, vandalism, we're losing much of our rock art history. Acid rain has had a significant impact worldwide on, on rock art. And most recently, the vandalism has been on the increase. So the uh, Utah Association especially gets involved with school, school children, and they take them on actual archaeological digs where they can help uncover things and give them an appreciation for the necessity to preserve. This is part of our heritage as well as these ancient, ancient peoples. And that's primarily it, education and having a good time to get out there in the fresh air and hike around in, in the canyons. You're a guide for the Utah organization. What happens on one of those trips? I understand that COVID probably put a damper on it for a while, but it'll be back up and running soon, I suspect. Well, if we're, if we're going to go on government land, usually we try to keep our groups uh, 12 people or smaller. And uh, we have to get a special permit, usually from places like the BLM offices. So, the, you know, the guide would make all those arrangements, create a rendezvous point, and then uh, make sure that everybody that joins the group is physically able to meet the demands of these particular field trips. Sometimes they include uh, maybe dropping a few thousand feet down into a canyon or climbing up a mountain. We want to make sure everybody can do that safely. Radio is not strong on visual, and because of that, you've uh, sent us a handful of photographs that we've got up on Facebook and our website. Can I flash those pictures at you, and could you describe what you see when you look at these photos? Okay. Well, that particular image uh, is called the perfect panel or the hitchhiker. (laughs) Uh, That is barrier style. That could be as much as 15,000 years old. So you're looking at a pictograph that it's in an alcove and has been protected all that time. And they certainly have used some color. The image on the left side has kind of a triangular costume on, if you you will, just so you know which one we're talking about here. How about this picture, which looks like a group of people to me? Yes, and I attended a lecture at the uh, Utah Rock Art Association by a uh, professor, <laughs> an art professor, and he talked about the style of painting that was developed at that time predated that particular style that the Europeans had invented. Wow. He talks about the dimensions of the, of the anthropomorphs that are actually, you can tell that they're in movement mm-hmm. and they are apart at different spaces. So it actually has a three-dimensional effect. And uh, I remember this art professor saying that that particular painting style was not used by the Egyptians or the Greeks, and it really wasn't developed until the European Renaissance. It's quite impressive. There definitely is a 3D look to it as you look at the people. This is an image with some circles on it where you can actually see the the background in the sky, just so people know which one we're talking about here. That's a petroglyph, and uh, we like to name these petroglyphs, uh, and that's called the juggler. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good name. And it looks like an anthropomorph that is juggling something. And some of the theories on that is that this may have 
an actual basis in some, some form of astronomy. When I first saw it, astronomy came to mind because of, the, because of the circles and all. The final picture is the one with some color. It's quite an unusual photograph. Tell us what we're looking at there. Okay. Modern digital photography has been able, uh, it enables uh, the person, when we look at rock art, when it's very faded, to use a digital process on your camera. And the software is called D-Stretch. And it actually reveals as much as 80% of the image that is no longer visible to the naked eye. Ah, wow, that's impressive. Thanks for providing those photographs. That I think folks will enjoy looking at that and comparing them to the conversation here. What are some of the more unusual images you've seen? There must be a lot of head scratchers in terms of what's trying to be depicted. They're amazing. One that comes immediately to mind, uh, Carl and I and, and our friends had to uh, climb up a a rather steep incline of sandstone in the um, Moab area. And it was a pictograph called Man-Eating Snake, or Snake in the Mouth. <laughs> uh, snakes were a shamanistic vision of the ancient peoples. So you'll, you'll often see images of snakes, but I'd never seen one where the snake was going into somebody's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> what about fraud? And what I mean by that is I have in mind that there are certainly possibilities of relatively recent artwork that someone has carved or painted in the style that's old, maybe to try to fool people. But I suspect that there are weathering aspects where you can maybe tell. Have you run into those sorts of things? Is that a big issue? Yes. A big issue, um, I, I wouldn't say really big, but I have seen examples of it. And especially with petroglyphs, a modern graffiti artist trying to imitate ancient rock art will more than likely use a metal chisel to carve out the rock and, mm -hmm. and a metal hammer. Mm -hmm. uh, these people use rock hammers and rock chisels. And anyone that is really versed in, in looking at petroglyphs can tell the difference between uh, one that's been pecked with a metal chisel or a rock chisel. Are there any theories on why all of these were made, was, it, was this basically art? People wanting to express what they saw versus anything deeper than that? Well, archaeologists feel that different rock art sites probably serve different purposes. Examples from storytelling to trail markers, boundary markers, calendar sites, uh, ceremonial locations, invocations for rain, the harvest, hunting, Maps, records of events, the counting of groups that have passed by, honoring important people. Sometimes you'll see figures of deities, astronomical figures, perhaps even just decorations. Some of my favorite sites uh, that I've seen are just have nothing more than handprints, mm. hundreds and hundreds of handprints, and the footprints of their children as they raise them up to the top of the alcove <laughs> with paint on their feet. That's a nice, that's a nice image. As I think about this rock art, which is mainly painted on, on a wall, if you will, uh, in terms of orientation, are there any geoglyphs? Uh, I, th I think of the Serpent Mound in Ohio. So images that are kind of built out of rocks in a three-dimensional mode. Is that, do you ever see anything like that? You know, recently on the Internet, there was, they found an example in a cave in France where three-dimensional bison were carved in rock. Ah, 
Wow. They they almost look statuesque. That's a whole different whole different things. I, I gather you don't see that in the Southwest, uh, three-dimensional carvings for the most part. No, they they did make shamanistic images and small toy-like things that were used in ceremonies or, or by children, and they've been found in uh, some of the dwellings. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. As we run short of time, if someone wanted to uh, cut their teeth on petro- petroglyphs, etc., are there easy spots to get to that you might recommend here here from the uh, Westcliff area? Yes. Um, actually, just by uh, going on the Internet, you can access information, either Google it or put in urara.wildapricot.org. Uh, That's U-R-A-R-A dot W-I-L-D-A-P-R-I-C-O-T dot org. And that will get you to the website for the Utah Rock Art Association. And there is a, a great deal of free information there to the public and an invitation to join the association, if you so wish. The Colorado Rock Art Association, and uh, which is a division of the Colorado Archaeological Society, uh, you can access them at coloradorockart.org. Aside from th- these websites and these organizations, are there any go-to references on the topic of rock art in the Southwest? There are many publications about rock art. Um, as a matter of fact, if you go to a bookstore or go on Amazon.com, uh, uh, you'll, f- you'll literally find uh, dozens and dozens of not all, only uh, pictorial essays of rock art, but archaeological papers on the uh, people. Bears Ears has become a real focal point in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Carmel and I started our whole uh, curiosity uh, with rock art in an area called the Grand Gulch, which is now ha- has been incorporated into Bears Ears. There's two books out right now on uh, Behind Bears Ears and the story of Bears Ears, and they're both available in your local bookstores and, and online. And I, I would say anyone that's really interested, take a look at these books. Not only will they give you a good foundation on uh, and, and photographs of rock art, but they'll tell you about the history of the people who, who left these images. As we break up here today, you're about to head out on a multi-week trip, uh, some of which will be viewing rock art. What, what are the highlights of that trip? We're going to start in Santa Fe, and New Mexico is very rich, especially in petroglyphs. And there's some really famous petroglyph sites right in the Santa Fe area. From there, we're going to head down to the El Paso area, And uh, we're going to go to the Hueco Tanks area, as well as uh, Alamo Mountain and Alamo Canyon. Then we're going to head over to the Tucson area. And Arizona is another area that's rich in in rock art. And we'll head up to Sedona from there and look at some of the pictographs in that area. And then um, probably make our last stop in Nevada before we head home. Bob, thanks for stopping by and uh, filling us in on this uh, fascinating subject. Been my pleasure. It's uh, it's my hobby, and it's uh, become our passion. <laughs> <laughs> We've been visiting with Bob Hustis on Rock Art of the Southwest. He is a member of the Colorado Archaeological Society, and also a member and a field guide for the Utah Association of Rock Art Research and Archaeology. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR ninety one point seven FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. 
Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 